fantastic. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. That is so great. And uh, we've got Rocky. We've got one other couple right here. It, uh, Mike and Jody right here behind Rod and Laura. If you can give them a gift card. We're just so excited. We, it's good to have fun in church and just have a great time together. Hopefully you have your Bible in Hosea. When it comes to relationships, it's one of those things that, man, we love to talk about, but it can just get sticky at times. It can get uncomfortable, but I love that God's word has so much to say about it. Think about this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God told man to be fruitful and to multiply. Okay, now man can't be fruitful and multiplied by himself. So we know that God, and we sometimes we read the Bible and think it's all chronological. No, God was giving a command. The very first command that God gave to men was to go have sex and multiply. That was God's first command. Okay, and uh, I thought I'd get a few more amens there. We're in a marriage series, but that was God's first command. Okay, you just can't get around it. And so that's where God starts with marriage and a relationship. That's what God wants. But then we see that one of Jesus' first miracles. Where did he do this? miracle at it was in john chapter number two he's at a wedding his very first miracle his first public appearance is at a wedding then you go on the new testament the bible calls the church the bride of christ and one day we're all going to be up in heaven we're going to be at the it's called the marriage supper the marriage dinner and so you see this theme of relationships theme of marriage it's near and dear to the heart of god and so if there's anything as near and dear to the heart of god you better believe that there is an enemy out there that's going to try to destroy it, divide it, do anything he can to make that marriage, that relationship not work because he knows that God loves it. I'll tell you this. I know that I'm better because I'm married. You say, what do you mean? Um, it didn't used to affect me nowadays like it did before. It, once you're married, all of a sudden you get in a, a little argument with your spouse. It kind of ruins your evening. You don't sleep all that well. And especially if on the way out the door, out about as you're about to go to work, you have a little, a little spat, a little tip. All of a sudden, your day is just not going to go well, is it? It, it, it just it seems like, man, once you get married, all of a sudden, it can just kind of, you feel this rut at times. And so we're going to learn several principles on how we can grow, even in the challenging situations. And uh, next Tuesday, or next, yes, next Tuesday, I've been married nine years. And so um, it's pretty exciting for me, coming up almost on a decade. So that's pretty cool. She has stuck with me, three kids and a dog later, and uh, just all the craziness that God has allowed us to be a part of. And so now we've seen a lot of transitional points even in just the nine years that we've been married we've seen God do so much in our lives and so we want to look at this passage of scripture because oftentimes what happens in a relationship where we go off is because we look at marriage as kind of the end all marriage is kind of that the end once I get married and you look at all the Disney movies they all end at happily ever after that's that's kind of where it where it ends but that really you know that's where it just starts That's where it's just beginning. And so we're going to pick it up. And a lot of people, they say, well, I'm having marriage or or relationship difficulties. And it's oftentimes because it's not that you have a marriage problem. It's you actually have a mission problem. You see, God never intended marriage just to be something we just do because that's why society today kind of rejects it. Why? Why get married? What is really the benefit? I mean, the piece of paper. That, that doesn't matter a whole lot. I mean, I can act married without having to be married. I can get the benefits of marriage without having to have the little ceremony. So that's why you see people that will do uh, live-in or they'll just get together. I mean, why? Because why put up with all the 
difficulty. Why go through it all? But they don't understand that at the heart of marriage, God didn't just want us to be married. He wanted to put us on a mission. God said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. So we understand that God had a mission. Even in Genesis 1 verse 28, God had a mission for every marriage. And when you and I get so wrapped up in just marriage and we wonder why we're fighting, it's because we forgot we're on a mission. You know, it's easy for a football team to stay focused during the season because they've got an eye on the prize, the Super Bowl. What is that goal for your relationship? What is that goal for your marriage? Because your marriage is meant to be on mission. You say, well, my mission is to raise great kids. Exactly. And when the kids leave the house, you see the high rate of divorce right in that age bracket. Why? Because the goal was children. We're here to raise good kids. And you did do that, but you didn't have a good relationship. There's, there's more than that, correct? Oh, my goal was just to have a great career. And then when you lose the career, all of a sudden there's a hole, there's a void in your life. And now you start looking for something else to conquer, something else to chase. And your, and your life kind of unravels. You see, God wants a bigger mission. And we're going to see that today in the book of Hosea. And let's pick it up in Hosea chapter number one. We're just going to look at three verses as we kick off this series. We're going to meet Hosea, which is a preacher, a young preacher, a young prophet, And God's going to come to this young preacher, this young prophet, and God's going to give him some interesting commands. The Bible says the Lord gave this message to Hosea, the son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. And Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king of Israel. You say, why is there two different kingdoms? This is shortly after Solomon's son, uh, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, they kind of split the kingdom, okay? And so there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And we see that here, this prophet, he's going to be in the uh, northern kingdom, and he's, he's, he's in the city of Samaria, and he's preaching the larger where the ten tribes were. And so there's two, there's this division. So God's coming to this prophet. He gives them this command because these northern tribes, they're not walking with God. They're not following God. And so they're starting to turn to idolatry. They're starting to turn to other things. And so God comes to Hosea and he says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you could see, just imagine just for a second, here's a young man. He saved himself. He's a prophet. To be a prophet, you had to be pure. You had to be clean. You couldn't be chasing tail. You had to be one of, those, one of the guys that said, I've dedicated my life to the Lord. And so here's this young man. And all of a sudden, God's saying, hey, I'm going to use you. You're an up-and-comer. You're going to help me call these ten tribes back to me. And then God says, but to do this, you're going to need a wife. And I could just imagine Hosea being like, yes, that's right. Man, what a great command, God. Who's it going to be, that new girl, that the new life group leader or, or what? about the new the new girl on the worship team she's she's really cute and she's got a great smile good voice as a her and God's kind of like no no and uh, God says no it's somebody else I want you to go to the other side of town oh that God that that side of town's kind of a, a rough area you know that's a real rough oh I know God she's a missionary to that part of town and uh, she's she's out there witnessing and and she's out there on, on the streets and God's like well you, you could say that you know kind of you know and uh, well what does she do God what does she do for a living she's self-employed and uh, you know uh, what else God tell me a little bit more she's in the entertainment industry uh, you know I mean this this isn't going well and then finally God just says okay here she is and and he points out these girls that are on the street and he looks and he's like oh my goodness you know he sees this girl and she's not dressed properly she's wearing a, wearing a, a biblical blouse which means lo and behold and and and, and there she is and he's just kind of thinking uh, uh god are you serious right now i mean out, out of all the things that you want me to do i mean god this is this is not what i really had in mind but notice what he does 
God says this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblaine, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. We see that he obeys God. Right from the very get-go, God is saying to Hosea, guess what? Marriage is a picture. Marriage is a picture. And this morning, that's what we need to get through our minds, is that marriage is a picture. Now, when it comes to the picture of marriage, we want a perfect picture, don't we? We all do. Let's not beat around the bush. I want a perfect marriage. I want you to have a perfect marriage. I want you to have a perfect dating, perfect relationships. That's the ideal. That's what we all want. That's what we're chasing. We're thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if it was just perfect all the time? And we're just chasing this perfect picture of what marriage looks like. The other day, I went to Starbucks to meet with a pastor. And I never met him before. And we were meeting up for coffee. And he had never met me. And I'm walking up. And I see him because I, I, I Facebook stalked him to kind of figure out who he is. So I never met him. He wanted to get a picture. Don't talk to a stranger. Well, apparently he hadn't really done that because he starts talking to this other guy. And then they start having this conversation. I just kind of wait for a little bit. And then they both turn red and the one guy goes in. And then I'm like, hey, how are you? And I call the guy's name. He's like, Micaiah. He's like, you'll never believe. I thought that guy was Micaiah. And I was having this conversation. And it was funny because that guy thought I was the person he was supposed to be. This was really funny. You know, and so we always want this perfect picture, right? We want this picture of what should be, what could be. And yet we have this idea and we kind of think marriage is Disneyland. And it is like Disneyland. The ride is a minute and the line is an hour. So it's very much like Disneyland, all right? It really is, okay? All right? So that, that Disneyland analogy is correct. Don't lose that one. But oftentimes, we have this perfect picture. And God did want marriage to be a picture. God told Hosea, I want you to marry this woman because it's going to be a picture of what Israel has done to me. You see, marriage is a picture, but the picture is for a purpose, You see, we're supposed to be a picture to this world, not of how perfect we are, but of how good God is to us. I mean, think about it for a second. Here's here's Gomer, and and what a terrible name, but all of a sudden, she's going to get the break of a lifetime. All of a sudden, here's this prophet that she's heard about. It's the prophet of the ten tribes, and all of a sudden, he's in the wrong side of town, and she's out there, and all of a sudden, he comes up to her, and he's talking to her, and he's not judging her, and he's not putting her down, and he's not trying to manipulate her. All of a sudden, he says, guess what? I love you, and I want to marry you, and love is all throughout this book. He literally does fall in love with this woman. It's not just a command for him. He loves it. He loves her. And we're going to see his love played out in the next several weeks to come. But all of a sudden, he's going to marry this woman. But here's what happens, though, when we get married. When you and I get married, we brought some things into the relationship. Anybody, you travel in this room? Any, anybody travel? Can I see your hands? How many of you like to travel? You all travel? That's great. How many of you, you're, you're, you're a good traveler. You travel light. Let me just see your hands. There's a few of you. How many of you are like, oh, no. I bring it all. I mean, I bring the kitchen stove. I bring so much because you just never know what you're going to need. You bring your running shoes even though you've never ran a day in your life. I mean, you're just like, I'm going to pack those babies. You never know. You never know. And so you pack all kinds of stuff. When you got married, I'm here to tell you, there were some things you brought into the relationship. Do you know that? You brought a little suitcase. You said, yeah, I brought a suitcase of stuff. I brought all kinds of 
charm. I brought all kinds of wonderful things. I'm just a great person. I'm funny. I'm caring. I'm compassionate. I'm kind. I like long walks on the beach. Yeah, I brought some good stuff into this relationship. But here's the thing we forget. It's not just the good things you brought into the relationship. There's the things that you don't even know you brought into the relationship. Now, with Gomer, it's kind of obvious at first what she brought into the relationship. You see, we all have different baggage that we bring into our relationships. And here's what happens. You and I get married, and we kind of tend to believe that, guess what? There's nothing in that person's life. There's, there's really nothing in their life. There's no real baggage. But here's what we forget is that there was baggage. There's all kinds of baggage in every relationship. We have our issues, And there's lots of different things that we struggle with. You say, maybe this person, we didn't realize they struggle with anxiety. Not just anxiety, we could figure out that this person, they struggle with approval. They've got to have approval. There's all kinds of things. Maybe this person, hey, have all kinds of different issues in their life. And they've got these issues, and all of a sudden, you're like, what else is in the bag? And the longer you are with the person, you'll find that there's more stuff in the bag. And what happens in every relationship is you get married, and then the next several years, you spend unpacking the baggage. And this is where couples have a decision. Am I going to stay in the relationship now that I know about all this? Because let's be honest, this is not what we put on our our profile online at christianmingle.com. This is not what we talked about over dating. Hey, guess what? I have some issues, one of them being control issues. So here's how many children we'll have. Here's when we'll get married. Here's how, what job you'll work. You know, we don't actually say that up front. We won't talk about all the issues we've had with our parents' divorce. But we have issues. We have all kinds of issues. But here's the thing about our issues. You open up the box, and all of a sudden, you find out, wait a minute. Their issues have issues. There's more. There's always more. If I can get the lid off. And we find out that, man, they have these issues, and they have all these things in their life. And we're just wondering, what are we going to do with all these issues? And here, all of a sudden, we see that Hosea, he married a woman that has issues. Some of her issues are guilt she's going to deal with. You're going to see that Hosea is going to have ego issues. You're going to see that sometimes there's anger issues. Sometimes there's trust issues. Sometimes there is doubt issues. All of a sudden, you're going to see that there's abuse. And you see what happens with our issues. You can see what happens with our baggage. It begins to pile up. And what easily happens in a relationship is all of a sudden, we thought it was all nice and tidy in the suitcase. And we could hide it. We can kind of keep it away. But then when you're in a relationship, this stuff comes out. Oh, no, they start unpacking this. And you didn't even know you stepped into a room. You stepped into a situation you didn't even know was there. You stepped into something that you didn't, you had no clue because you never talked about this in premarital counseling. You never talked about this. Oprah didn't talk about this. Dr. Phil didn't talk about this. And all of a sudden you're like, well, what do I do with all this baggage? And they were like, it's on you. And it's at this point we've got to make a decision from this day forward. From this day forward, yes, I've got all these issues. Yes, I've got all these things in my life. But what am I going to do from this day forward? Because I had this perfect picture in mind. And then you find out the picture's not perfect. You find out that, wait a minute, the picture's not perfect. But here's the thing. God knew the picture wasn't going to be perfect. God knew everything that was going to happen. God knew all of the things that he had asked. And you're like, man, my issues are overflowing. My issues are just kind of getting everywhere. And that's exactly what happens. But it's at that point we get to make the decision that will we run, will we leave the relationship, or will we stay? Because your baggage is there. I remember one time I was traveling with my family on the freeway, and we were um, in our Ford Taurus wagon. 
It was a station wagon, sat eight. There were eight of us. Three could fit in the front, three in the middle, and then two in the back. And so the way it worked out was my mom and dad and my sister were up front. They were small. And then there was my other brother and my other younger sister in a car seat and another brother. And then it was Daniel and I in the very back. So we faced backwards. And so there was no room for luggage. So all of our luggage went on top of the car. And I'm driving backwards playing, and we're driving backwards playing my video games and everything on my little Game Boy and everything. So we don't know anything about Game Boy. I mean, that's what it was, we had was Game Boy. We didn't have all these apps. We had Game Boy. And I look up just in time to notice that somebody's suitcase is in the road. And I was thinking, that's interesting. And then I look back up and I'm like, wait a minute, it's a white suitcase. That's, that's my suitcase. Somebody's clothes are all over the freeway. Somebody's clothes are just gone. You know, I'm yelling at my parents, there goes my suitcase. There goes my baggage and it's everywhere. And some of you feel like that. Some of you feel like, well, my baggage is just everywhere. What do I do? What happened to my perfect picture? What happened to this picture of this relationship that I wanted? You see, it's not about the picture, though. It's about God's purpose. You see, God knew that we had all these things. God knew we had these hang-ups. God knew we had these things. God knew, and he wanted to say, guess what? Marriage is not about that picture. It's about the purpose. So we're missing that there's a mission to marriage. You see, you and I will start fighting when we start fighting about these. We start, man, you have so many issues. Man, your control, your trust. You and I will start to fight. Instead of realizing that, wait a minute. When we lose our why, we'll no longer try in the relationship. You see, God, he put us together for a reason. Hosea and Gomer, they were together for a reason. And God knew that reason. So they had a why to their relationship. Let me ask you, what is the why to your relationship? Because as soon as you lose your why, guess what? The relationship isn't too far behind. Because when you lose your reason to being together, you will not try. When you lose your why, you will no longer try. Let me say it again. When you lose your why, you will no longer try. When the children leave, all of a sudden you're like, what's the point? When you're retired, what's the point? When you get the big house, what's the point? When you get that dollar amount, what's the point? When somebody starts showing you a little attention, you'll say, what's the point anymore? It seems so easy. Touch your neighbor and say, when you lose your why, you will no longer try. When you lose your why, you will no longer try. We need to find out what is the why, what's keeping us together. And if it's not a purpose, if it's not a mission, guess what? The relationship will not make it. Because all of a sudden, here's Hosea, he's going to marry this girl, and he's going to find out she has a lot of baggage. She's got a lot of issues. She's got a lot of problems. But yet he's married to her. And we're going to play this out, how he deals with this, how he loves her, how he cares for her, how he doesn't give up on her. You see, children can be a why. Career can be a why. But we need to get back to what God has called us to. Too often we're looking for a mate and not a mission. If you were on a sports team, you're looking for the very best players. And since you and I one day are going to stand before God, we want to know that in this life we did all that God wants us to do. So I want to be a part and married to somebody who understands the mission that God has for us. Because this life is so short, so we need to be on mission from this day forward. You say, well, I've got some issues. I've got some problems. We all do. We all have the baggage. We all have the things that we're not proud of, that we're not fond of. But God is saying, hey, look, we can fixate on this. Or we can say, you know what? Let's get focused on what God has for us, his purpose. I notice this. When we're busy rowing the boat, we don't have time to rock the boat. When we're busy getting to a goal, all of a sudden we don't have time to fixate on these little things. Some of the things that really interrupt our relationships are just minor in hindsight. The things you and I will fight about, the things we'll get upset about, the things we'll get angry about, the things that we just, we, we let fester, we let bother us. 
Sometimes they're big, and there are big issues. Abuse is a big issue. Divorce is a big issue for some. There are some deep wounds for people. There has been, sometimes there's ego, sometimes there's pride, sometimes there's shame, sometimes there's guilt, sometimes there's all different types of things that are in our life that they just hold us back. And we've got to get to the point where we say, God, I know I've got a lot of issues, but God used to love me. And God chose Hosea to marry Gomer, to pull her out of that life. God, this is a rescue story as much as a relationship story. God is rescuing Gomer out of this life. And God rescues you and I. We didn't deserve it. But God came down and he sent his son Jesus to choose us. He loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. And so we see that there's this perfect picture. But the problem is the pretense. So we've got this perfect picture, but the problem is the pretense. You say, what do you mean the pretense? You say, I've got all these issues. Now, the worst thing that we can do is act like these don't exist. You ever met that person? They act like they don't have any issues, like they don't have any problems. And you get around them, and you can tell. I mean, the air is just thick with it that there's a problem. They invite you over for dinner, and you notice the husband and wife, they don't talk to each other at all. And you're trying to have conversation. You can see that it's very tense between them. You're like, I can just go. I I don't need to come over for dinner tonight. You know, you can just just tell that there's tension. And yet they're acting like there's not. We call it the elephant in the room. But then there's that couple that they took the elephant in the room and they made it the personal pet. You know those people where we don't have all this. This is is not really here. We just, oh, this, this is not a big deal. And they just want to act like it's not there. You see, it would have been easy for Hosea and Gomer to just say, yeah, we've got no problems. We're this perfect couple. And that's today what everybody wants, isn't it? The picture-perfect marriage, the picture-perfect relationship. And because of social media, all of a sudden we can project whatever we want. But the thing that's killing today's relationships is pretense. And it's a problem of pretense. It's this problem that we're pretending. Here, write this down. What we won't reveal, God can't heal. If we won't reveal it, then God can't heal it. So God is trying to do a work in our relationships. He's trying to help us with these issues. He's trying to help us. But the moment that we won't admit to it, we won't bring it to God, then he can't do anything with it. Hosea's got some issues, and Gomer has some issues. They've got some problems. But the worst thing that they could do is to act like it's not there. The worst thing you and I can do is to act like all of this baggage, it's not part of our relationship. Our relationship is perfect. And there's this pretense. So what are you doing with the elephant in your relationship? What is that thing that everybody else knows that everybody just has to walk on eggshells around you? Where, oh, we just don't ever talk about that. What do you mean we don't ever talk about that? This is a family. This is a marriage. We talk about it. We work through it. We help process it. You say, no, 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 no. That's just off limits. We just don't ever go there. And we just act like it doesn't exist. We just act like it's nothing. No, no. It needs to be addressed. Hosea married a prostitute. She's got all kinds of baggage. Her father's name is to blame. That name right there means a lover of raisin cake. Okay, let me go back. Lover of raisin cake. You're a raisin cake. That sounds pretty good. No, that was an aphrodisiac back in that day. It was like Viagra, okay? Let's just put it out there. That's who her dad was, okay? you, You wonder how she got into this lifestyle? It started with daddy. She's got some daddy issues. She's got some baggage. She's got some past. And the one thing that she could do is just say, oh, this is nothing. Just ignore it. And the the worst thing that you and I could do is just say, this is nothing. Instead of bringing it to God and saying, God, help me with my issues. God, I've got this. And being aware that this is a problem and looking into our lives and saying, God, what doesn't belong here? God, what do you want to change? You see, avoiding this 
just makes it worse. Someone's wisely said the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Every relationship has room for improvement. Your relationship and my relationship. And if we're going to have a relationship that goes the distance, if we're going to have a relationship from this day forward that makes it, it's going to start with us saying, you know, we've got some of this. And let's call it out and let's talk about it. And let's have some time, just you and I. Let's go out to eat and let's pull out the notepad. And let's just talk about some things. We may not get through all of it, but we need to address these things. Because I can never talk about this. I can never bring this up. And all of a sudden, it seems like I just walk on eggshells. And I feel like a stranger in my own home, in my own relationship. And we just kind of ignore these things. There should be no closed doors in your marriage, in your relationship. Here's the thing. Privacy is good. Secrecy is bad. And you should know the difference. And that applies to children as well. You see, privacy is good. Secrecy is unhealthy. And sometimes we mistake the two. It's okay for a wife and a husband to have some privacy. It's not okay for them to have secrecy. Not from each other. The Bible says you're one. You're one. And so what we do, though, oh, no, no, this is my bank account. Oh, no, you can't see my phone. We're setting ourselves up for a failure. We're setting ourselves up for something. Oh, I'm going on a business trip. What what are you guys doing on the business trip? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, just nothing, just nothing. Don't worry about it. No, no. The secrets are what make us sick. And so we've got to say, you know what? Privacy is okay, but secrecy is not okay. So all of this, we're going to bring it out. And over the next five weeks, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. We're going to laugh a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit. And we are going to get into some stuff where I hope you utilize Ridge Kids for your little ones, okay? I'm not going to have to tell you that, hey, this is going to be PG-13. Just understand, in the next five weeks, there are some things we're going to talk about in a relationship, about sex, and about your life that will just help you. Because here's the thing. I noticed that in the church is the only place we do don't talk about sex. On the average age, kids eight years old and up are learning about sex. Eight years old and up are learning about it. But yet the church is just silent, mute, blind about it. And sex is not a thing. Did you know the very first thing that was said about you was a sexual comment? The very first thing about you that was ever said to you was a sexual comment. You say, how do I know that? When they pulled you out, it's a boy. That's a sexual comment. You see, sex is not an act. It's a person. You're a boy. You're a girl. That, that was the first time, and all of a sudden, the church is kind of like, oh, no, we freak out. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. Well, we should talk about it. Sex was not Hugh Hefner's idea. It was God's idea. Hugh Hefner and the devil hijacked it. It's something that God wants between a man and a wife. That's how God ordained it, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's awesome. At least I think so. Apparently, you guys don't think so, okay? We'll work on that. And so what we need to see is that God has given us these gifts and we're letting the world try to condition people on what good sex is. And that's totally far from it. They've missed it. And so we're coming back in this series. We're going to say, you know what? We're going to deal with the pretense. We're not just going to step over issues or just try to avoid it or act like we don't have baggage or a suitcase. And we're going to say, God, I've got some baggage. I've got some things, but God will deal with it. Now, here's what we oftentimes do is too, is we say, oh yeah, my spouse has got baggage. Yeah, yeah, get them, get them. I heard somebody the other day, they said, oh, I remember your last marriage series. And I always tell my spouse or I always tell my girlfriend, hey, remember what Micaiah said? And I'm like, do not ever do that because then that person ends up hating me. You know, just say, hey, don't you remember the last message? So don't don't pull one of those that, hey, remember what the preacher said? Remember what the pastor said? Say, no, no, no. Here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. How does that help you? All right. Instead of all of a sudden trying to be the Holy Spirit in somebody's life and relationship. We've got this baggage and it's not our place to point out somebody else's. 
Because if you say, oh man, look at this person's baggage. If they brought it to the foot of the cross and they confess it before God, God looks down and says, huh, that's news to me because I didn't know they had that baggage. Because I forgave it. Because the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed their sin from them. Not from me, from them. So God says, if you remember it, that's funny, I don't remember it. The moment you confess, you say, God, there's some things that I've done. There's some things I'm not proud of. But we could say from this day forward, God, I want a new relationship. I want a beautiful relationship. I want a godly relationship. I understand that I didn't just get into marriage because it was a great idea, because of attraction or because of love. I got into marriage for a mission. It's all about a mission. And when I look at my spouse and we're together on this thing, we're going to do this together. I need you to make me better. And you need me to make you better for what God has called us to because we're been, this is a picture. And the picture is for a purpose this morning. And God has a purpose for your relationship. If you don't see that there's a purpose and there's a meaning to it beyond just attraction, what happens when the attraction's gone? Or what happens the days you don't feel loving anymore? In nine years, I'll tell you, there's been some times when you just don't feel like loving that person. And you've got to say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision to love this person today. I'm going to make a decision. I know there are times my wife has not looked at me and said, oh, he's so lovable today. No, no, but she's decided to. There's been times I've worked at, looked at my spouse and have said, hey, they're not being so lovable, but I'm going to love them. That's what God's commanded. And we find through that that we do. We find that, wow, our relationship's gone to a new level. It's gone to a new height that I never knew. Marriage gets better year after year. Are there some struggles? Are there some challenges? Yes, but God can take your marriage and he can make it new. How many of you, in just in your own mind, you would love a new marriage in your own mind. Don't answer out loud, but just think about that. Would you love a new marriage? And I think all of us at times have thought about it. Some maybe right now you're like, yeah. Or maybe there's been a time we said I'd want a new marriage. You can have a new marriage with the same person. Because God can take that relationship that you're in. And God can do a beautiful work inside of that relationship. You say, but you don't know the baggage. You don't know the issues. Come on, most of us aren't dealing with the fact that we married a prostitute. Most of us aren't dealing with all the baggage that that would have entailed. All of the daddy issues and all the things that are going on. And yet here uh, Gomer is and she's, she's here. And she's saying, you know what? I'm not going to allow the pretense to get in the way of the relationship. You see, she was going to bring it. But then we see that Hosea is going to love her. You say, how do we know that? In chapter 2, verse number 5, the Bible says this about Gomer. Because we're going to see that in, in Hosea, his ministry picks up. He's a young prophet, and he's preaching. He's calling the nation back to God. And all of a sudden, he gets a little bit busy. And they have two more children. Except they're not Hosea's children. You ever heard the phrase, mama's baby, daddy's maybe? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden... Gomer kind of starts to go back to her old ways. She kind of goes back to her old life. She has two more children, and they're not Hosea's children. And eventually, she goes back into the life of prostitution. She goes back into that life, and then Hosea, he says in verse, chapter 2, verse 5, then their mother is a shameless prostitute and become pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing and wool and linen, and for olive oil and drinks. Here's the thing about clothing and wool or food and water. Food and water were the basic necessities. Clothing and wool and linen, those were some of the finer things. Olive oil and drinks, these are extravagant things. She's saying, I don't just want my basic necessities, I want it all. And she figured that Hosea wasn't giving her her all. So she was going to go chase somebody who would give her everything she wanted. And so she chases after. And you would think at this point, Hosea would be devastated. Hosea would walk away. Hosea would say, I'm done with you. You went back to the life. I rescued you out of sex trafficking. And you went right back to it. Um, We're done. We're over. We're finished. 
That's what any guy would think. But notice what Hosea does. In verse 14, he says, Therefore, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there, I will give her vineyards to her and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. The valley of Achor. Achor stands for trouble. He says, I know where she's at. She's in trouble. Achor is the same valley where when the children of Israel came into the city of Jericho, and there's a man by the name of Achan, he stole from the city. And Joshua found out that he stole. And Joshua stoned him and his family. And they took all of his wealth and they burned it in the valley of Achor. This valley is significant with sin and death. And here Hosea is saying, she's in this valley, she's in trouble. But what am I going to do for her? I'm going to give her a door of hope. I'm going to give her a way out of this. Did she deserve it? No, she's got all these issues. But Hosea is saying, I'm not going to let the issue stop. I'm not here because when I, I, he said, I do, that was a promise. It was not based on her performance. And some of us, we get into a relationship, we think as long as they perform, the promise still stands. But her performance didn't live up to her promise. But notice what Hosea does. He says, I'll still, I'm going to lure her. I'm going to bring her back tenderly. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to chew you out. What are you doing? I've been waiting up for you all night. You've been hanging out with that, that, that trainer at the gym. You've been hanging out with that coworker, that new boss. No, no. He says, I'm going to bring her back. I'm going to love her back. You see, we need to get back to the point where we understand that, guess what? Hey, my marriage isn't perfect, but it's a picture of what God wants to do. It's a picture of, of purpose. I'm going to drop the pretense, but understand that it's not a promise it's not based on performance, it's a promise that God said, hey, I put you together. And we look at marriage as a contract, and God said it's not a contract, it's a covenant. Covenant is unbreakable. Covenant says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Regardless of what they do, I'm going to obey. And we see in chapter 3, I'm skipping ahead, we're running out of time. In chapter 3, we see these two get back together. We see their marriage kind of, they go back together, but then we say, well, what happens after chapter three? Because it doesn't say that they lived happily ever after. It doesn't say that they had many more children. She never went back to that life. It doesn't say any of that. It just kind of leaves us hanging and wondering at first all week, I was scratching my head and I was saying, God, why did you stop there? Why does it stop in chapter three? And that's all we learned about their story. And God spoke to me and he said, because Hosea did all that I asked him to do. I don't need to write anymore. Hosea loved her. That's all that I called him to do. All that God called you to do for your spouse is to love them, to be faithful to them. You say, they're not right and they're doing this. I know. And it hurts and there's a long night and it's difficult. And sometimes God looks down and he'll show you favor, not because you were fruitful, but because of your fight, because you decided, I'm not going to walk out. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to stay here. And you made a decision. You said, from this day forward, I'm here. I'm in this relationship. Yeah, there's issues. Yeah, we got baggage. Yeah, we got problems. But guess what? We're not going to run from it. We're not going to pretend from it. Because I didn't build this relationship based on your performance. I didn't lay out a contract and said, hey, guess what, honey? As long as you fill all these things, guess what? We're going to have a good relationship. I promise you do that, it won't work. No one can keep that list. No one's perfect. But this is an example of how Jesus looked at us. All the times we ran from him. All the times we did our own thing. The Bible says we have all turned away. We have all done our own thing. We're all sinful. But yet God still loved us. 
He still came in that moment and God still loves you. And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I'm not even in a relationship. I don't feel worthy of a relationship. I don't feel like I'm lovable. I can't even love myself. And I'm here to tell you that God looks down from heaven and he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I love you. I died for you. I'll give my life for you. You are infinitely valuable. And so this morning, you'll see in the weeks to come that Gomer, she shows her worth because she felt her worth. And if your spouse is not showing their worth, it's because they haven't felt their worth. When's the last time you said to your spouse, I love you, honey. I love you. Men, our wives do not have a permanent love switch. We have to say it often to them. But here's the other side. You wives are like, well, I say I love you to my husband, but it just doesn't have the same pizzazz, the same sizzle. He's just like, oh, thank you, that's nice. And here's something, women, men are more complicated than we let on to be. We really are. And we're going to get into that in the weeks to come. Because when we said we do, there was a switch, and the permanent love switch just kind of flipped on. We're just kind of like, yeah, we love you. We said it once, and if anything changes, we'll let you know. But you know what means the world to every man? Is when you come home and you see the dishes were done. You say, you did the dishes? Yeah. Kids are in bed? We got time to party. You've heard of foreplay? We're going to talk about chore play. There is nothing better for your spouse than when you start doing chores around the house. I'm telling you what, the magic will happen if you say, hey, I'm going to do the chore play and we'll learn about that in the weeks to come. But you say, I thank you to your husband. It means a lot more than love you. It means so much that you noticed. You say, hey, thank you. You go to work. Your boss has been tough, but you've been just at it. That breathes life into him. That helps him. If your spouse is not showing their worth, it's because they don't feel their worth. We're going to see in the weeks to come, Hosea is going to show worth. Let's all stand. God, there's so much truth in this passage and we just don't have enough time to dig into it, to dive into all of it. There's so much more that needs to be said. God, there are relationships that are hanging here by a proverbial thread. But in Ecclesiastes, you said a threefold cord is not easily broken. When we tie our relationships to the Son of God, our relationships are now hanging not by one thread, but by a whole strand of cords that's unbreakable. So God, this morning, will we rededicate our marriages, rededicate our our dreams and relationships. May those that are single and dating here say, I want a relationship that when we get to the point we start unpacking this baggage, that we don't run from it, we don't hide from it, but we see it and we say, you know what, that baggage isn't going to stop us. That I'm in a relationship, it's covenant, it's not contract. And we're going to help that person to feel their worth. We're going to help them to know that each and every day that they are loved, not just by us, but by God. And help us to live our relationships on a mission. That we're not just looking for a mate, that we're looking for a mission in this life. Someone that we can fulfill God's calling for us, that we honor you, we glorify you. So I pray for these people. I pray for those here that they're learning from the wrong culture about a relationship. They're thinking that love is based on attraction. And it's so much deeper than that. And so Father, I pray that you would help us to have the heart of a Hosea that even though he's wounded and he's hurt deeper than anybody can be hurt, he still lovingly woos his wife back. He 
He wins her a heart. He wins her affection all over. And again and again and again if need be. Because that's what Jesus did for us. So this morning as we talk about marriage and relationships, we realize that you love us and you woo us back. And you call us back to yourself. So Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to listen to you. To lean in close to your voice. That we would say, from this day forward, our relationship's going to be different.